Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey, man, it is great to see the things that happen in the city. One of the nice things is to see, you know, God has blessed us. We have been involved in that lower Fairview of the city since 2005, where you guys know the miracles, you know the things that have happened. And, and now to see Pastor John have a part of the fulfillment of his dream with the foundry coming to pass, and there's three homes over there now, and then to see him able to be an asset to Krista. You know, it's about the kingdom. It's not about churches, it's not about organizations, it is about the kingdom. And, um, you know, when we exist in silos and we only exist to ourselves, it is the city that will suffer ultimately. And, and so I, I just really get a great joy out of seeing that happen. Um, so see her, she'll be in the foyer, support them. We believe in what they're gonna do and uh, we believe in what God's gonna do most of all, amen? Guess what, I got bad news for you. I think my voice is getting stronger. I just think I'm gonna be here a long time this morning. Uh, I'm, I gotta, I'm gonna tell you right off the I'm, I'm not even gonna say to you, I'll be brief. I'm gonna be long today. I like this section better than this section, okay? They're cheering me on. This one over here is going, oh my God. Grab your Bibles, turn with me. Go to the book of First, um, First Samuel. Chapter 7, 1 Samuel chapter 7. While you're turning to that, let me show you a slide real quick if you have it, Troy. I just want to remind you, some of you here last week, we handed out some brochures on the right place for kid. We have a program now till the end of the year that um, a little push we're putting on. I told you a little bit of the backstory of that. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about a conversation I had this week when I, as I begin to preach. But um, real quickly, what we're doing from now to the end of the year is we're looking to raise up 180 people, organizations, businesses, or churches that'll simply say, I'll give you $1,000 this year. From now to the end of the year, I'll just give you $1,000, all right? I walked in this morning, somebody handed me an envelope, said, here's that $1,000. Last week, somebody came out of the service and they said to me, hey, guess what? I'm gonna give you $1,000. You know what they said to me? They said, Jimmy, I'm gonna give you $1,000 for that. I remember a time I needed a transmission and you gave us $500. Come on, how many know you plant seeds when you don't even know you're planting seeds, amen? And, I, and I'm just saying to you, so, and the reason I share it with you, again, I told you last week, I don't want one nickel that's supposed to go to this church to go to the Nehemiah Project, all right? But I did say to you last week that I am asking you to do two things. Certainly, if you have the money to give, praise God, we'll take it. But also, if you can be a voice, that you know others, that you can share it with them and say, hey, listen, this is a God thing. This is a good thing. Why don't you join me in doing it? If you have any questions, see me, see Peter. We'll explain it to you. God bless you. Love you. Pray for us. Amen? All right, let's take a look at this scripture this morning. First Samuel chapter 7. You know, there are times in your life, and I don't know about you, but I have faced situations that were kind of beyond my control. Anybody been there? All right? That there are times in your life when you face circumstances that are beyond your ability where you face challenges that you cannot overcome on your own. That you are, um, when everything that you believe is put to the test. How many know if your faith is proven through trials? Scripture tells us that. That our, our faith is proven, and it's not proven to just those around us, but how many know it's proven to us sometimes through trials? That there are moments where it's a revelation to us. There are times in your life where it will be tested. 
that there's times in your life that you might be facing certain defeat without divine intervention. There are times you face situations and circumstances where you have created or helped to create that circumstance or situation. Can anybody testify this morning that you walked in a moment of sin that caused a situation or circumstance? I have. Penny has. I'll tell you all about them later. What do, you, what do you do when you face an enemy you can't defeat? What do you do when you face an obstacle you can't get over? What do you do whenever you're facing a mountain that you just can't seem to climb over? Well, we're going to look at that this morning. You, you see, today's message is about a moment in the life of Israel when they had exactly that. A situation that they helped create. A situation they could not fix. And a battle that, that was coming upon them that they could not win. And yet they overcame. Let's read the scripture. It begins here. It says, And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came. They took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill, and they consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim, the time was long, for it was 20 years. And in all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and direct your hearts to the Lord, and serve him alone. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the bells and the asterisks, and they served the Lord alone. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. They gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted on that day and they said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the sons of Israel had gathered to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Then the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb, and he offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered. Is there any greater four words in Scripture? But the Lord thundered. Did you ever hear the Lord thunder? Come on, aren't you Pentecostal this morning? Any Pentecostals in this house this morning? My God's a God of thunder. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were routed before Israel. The men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he called its name Ebenezer. For he said, this far the Lord has helped us. How many can say this morning, this far the Lord has helped us? You see, today's message is entitled, Remember Ebenezer. Remember Ebenezer, the stone of help. That word means the stone of help. And this morning, I'm going to take us on a little journey. And I want to show you this in the life of Israel. I want to show you this in my life. But I also want to remind you of it in your life. Remember who you are. Remember who he is. Let me begin with this situation. And before I go any farther, I want to make note of one thing. We have a guest with us today. Micah's father's in the house. Jeff Marshall, our Pendel secretary treasurer. 
so I have to be on my best behavior today. The suits are in the house. Also has his brother's shoulder here, and shoulder's here to keep the both of them in line. The fact of the matter is this is what's happening. There's an event down. uh, Where's the event at, Micah? Where's the event that the ladies are at? Harrisburg. All right, so Bethany and some girls were going to Harrisburg for an event with Micah's mother. Basically, here's the, here's, here's the crux of the story. Micah's mother said to the, his dad, get out. I don't have room for you this weekend. <laughs> that is the true story, am I not? <laughs> so anyhow, so here's the situation. Let me set this up for you. They got in this situation that they were in because first and foremost, they turned away from the Lord. They turned away from the Lord and they served other gods and other idols. How has that worked in your life? Has anybody ever walked with God and turned from God? How's that worked out? Sin, sin got them into the situation they were in. Sin made them pray to the enemy. Sin made them the possession of the enemy. For 20 years, they had been lamenting over what happened. For 20, because 20 years earlier, they had a major defeat at the hands of the Philistines. Remember, and the scripture told us that the Philistines captured the ark. I love that scripture. You know why? Because it just ain't true. I've told you and I've taught you before. They didn't capture my God. My God went into enemy territory and kicked their butt. I'm just telling you what happened. Joshua, God told Joshua he was going to drive those five remaining lords out himself. And when he went into that territory, the ark was taken into that territory. How many know he brought destruction to those five lords? But anyhow, another story, another message, another day. When you turn away from the Lord, the fact of the matter is you're turning towards the enemy. Listen to me this morning. Listen to me for a moment. None of us would willingly say, I want to serve the enemy. I want to be oppressed by the enemy. I want to be captured by the enemy. But the fact of the matter is, when you turn from the Lord, you are turning towards the enemy. Okay? You cannot go left and right at the same time. Let's see you do that. Come on. Anybody, if anybody can go left and right this morning at the same time, I'll stop preaching. I know you're all praying for God to intervene. God, please make somebody miraculously go both ways. You cannot go forward and backward at the same time. You, you, you cannot go up and down at the same time. The fact of the matter is you cannot go away from the Lord and not be headed towards the enemy. But how many know when you go away from the enemy, you're going towards the Lord? How many know repentance says I'm turning from the enemy and I'm turning to the Lord? The fact of the matter is many of us want to live in the in-between place. Many of us are, Ken, if I could just kind of live in the middle and I can get the best of both worlds. I, I can be friends with benefits to both sides. Oh, okay. Uh, listen to me for a minute. When you turn from the Lord, you're turning towards the enemy. Today, some of us are in situations that we've caused by heading away from the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, let's take a look at the scripture. So Samuel comes. And the people come, and Samuel says to them, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return to the Lord with all of your heart. If you return to the Lord with all of your heart. There's an Ebenezer moment in their life that happens where God thunders, and there's a great victory. But before that Ebenezer moment, something happened in their life. You see, because you have to understand something this morning. Ebenezer moments are often preceded by internal moments of dedication. I mean, it happens inside here first. That in your life, there was a turning 
to the Lord that came from the inside out, not the outside in. And he says to, and he says to them, if you return to the Lord with all of your heart. Why is that important? How many know the heart controls the hand? My heart controls my hand. My heart controls what I do. My heart controls the money that I give. My heart controls the work that I do. It's that comes out of my heart. My heart will control my feet. My heart will control my tongue. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. You see, we want Ebenezer moments in our life, but they're preceded most often by an internal transformation, an internal work inside of us, an internal moment of dedication where we're saying, you know what? I'm coming back. I'm coming back to God. I'm not going to live in the middle. I'm not going to live in the middle land. I'm not going to live in that no man's land. And then he says this to him. He says, and you also remove the foreign gods and the Asherah from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Asherah and they served the Lord alone. Hmm. So I want you to see what Samuel said. Samuel said, you return with all of your heart. But once you return with all of your heart, then you get rid of these bales and you get rid of these asterisks. You see, because here's the principle. The principle is this this morning, that internal moments of dedication should be followed by external moments of demonstration. That what is going on inside of me is demonstrated outside of me. Zacchaeus gets a visit from Jesus. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house. He's a lying, cheating tax collector. He has a moment of internal transformation, a moment of internal belief, a moment of faith where he comes to believe in Jesus Christ. And what happens? There's an external demonstration where he gives back what he's stolen. He gives back who he's cheated. Then he gives half of what he had to what? The poor. In our lives, there has to be a demonstration of what's going on in the inside. That's why many people choose to get baptized the moment they get saved. It's an outward declaration of what's going on on the inside. Not too long ago, I heard of a story of a man. He got saved, and when he gave his heart to God, he had to get rid of some things that were in his life. Nobody told him to do that. God told him to do it. The Spirit of God told him to do it. You see, I would say to you this morning that in this house this morning, there are some that you have the internal belief and you have the internal demonstration, the internal dedication, but some reason you're lacking the external demonstration. Some things we're hanging on to. How many of the things we hang on to are the things that will end up absolutely destroying us? Internal moments of dedication should be followed by external moments of demonstration. Now watch this. You see, the hands reveal the heart, the feet reveal the heart. What the heart believes, the hands and feet demonstrate it. When the Israelites turned their hearts back to the Lord, they removed the gods from their life. Paul had an internal transformation that brought about an external demonstration. Now think about this. When the Lord is in, when he's Lord of our heart, there are some things that cannot stay. Now watch this. When Israel was going through this, it's not like they rejected God totally. It wasn't a rejection of God, that he's not God. He's not the God of heaven. He's not Yahweh. He's not Jehovah. That wasn't the problem, all right? 
It wasn't that they rejected him. It's that they had other gods besides him. Other God with him. Other gods beside him. There was God and there was Baal. There was God, Baal, and there was the asterisk. All right? It wasn't God alone. And the problem with that is, there's a problem with that. You, you see, the problem with that is this. If he's not Lord alone, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord alone, he's not Lord at all. Because Lord means master. Is he Lord of everything in our lives or some things of our life? It's an interesting. They worship Baal and Ashtoreth alongside of God. I want you to hear who Baal was. Baal was the God of weather that would secure a good harvest and financial prosperity. And Ashtoreth was the God of fertility, goddess of fertility, love, sex, and prosperity. So I want you to see this. So they wanted to serve the God of heaven, but trust the gods of the land. They, they, they wanted to trust in the God of heaven, but yet in order to secure their financial prosperity, they wanted to trust the God of the land, Baal. Now think about this for just a moment. I want to talk to you for just a moment about this. You see, they wanted to trust the God of heaven for their salvation, but not trust him for their livelihood. Some of us want to trust God for our eternal salvation, but we can't trust him on a daily basis for our livelihood. It's really quiet in here this morning. Let me, let me, let me, let me just kind of really irritate some of us this morning. Because sometimes I like to be like a piece of sand that causes a pearl. I like to be an irritant. I'm very good at it. Ask Peter, my wife. If a guy's got a gift, you got to use it to all you got. I want to talk, talk about this in, in our lives for just a moment. And yeah, I'm going to talk about money for just a moment. The Bible says that no man can serve God and mammon at the same time. Jesus says that in the Gospels. I want to say this statement. When we fail to give according to the God's word, we are worshiping the spirit of mammon. Now, none of, us would, uh, uh, none of us would declare, I'm worshiping money. I'm worshiping mammon. Mammon was a spirit. I'm worshiping riches. I'm worship none of us would declare we're worshiping that. But the moment that we won't give because we don't think we have enough to give, we're not trusting God. Therefore, we're worshiping mammon. Withholding your money from God is an offering to the spirit of mammon. This is kind of hard-hitting, I know. When I'm saying I can't give to the work of God, I cannot worship God with my money, then in fact I am worshiping mammon. And I'm worshiping the spirit of mammon. And rather than offering it to God, I offer it to that spirit. Now everybody's saying, he's trying to get into my pocketbook. Duh. Takes money to run this place. <laughs> I'm just teasing about that. Listen to me. You would not willingly bow down to a spirit that wasn't God. 
but we allow the enemy to sell us a bill of goods that robs God's kingdom of money, and we allow him to lie to us, and we justify it, all the while we're offering an offering to mammon. We will trust him for our salvation, but not our livelihood. We will trust him for our salvation, that Jesus is the way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. I'll trust him for that, but I can't trust that he's gonna meet my needs if I tithe. I can't, I, I can't trust that he's gonna take care of me if I walk in obedience to what his word actually says. You still love me? You see, what he wants to be, listen to me this morning, he wants to be God alone so that he can be God of all. He wants to be God alone so that he is God of all. And we all have things that we sometimes put beside him. And so now watch this. So here's Israel. Israel has 20 years before been in this major defeat because actually they did everything opposite of what's going on now. And now they come to a place where Samuel says, if you will this return to the Lord, if you will put away these gods, and if you will come back to him, then I will pray for you. Watch this. Now watch what happens. The moment they do that, they gather at a place called Mizpah. When they come to the place Mizpah, they repent, they confess, they turn away from their ways, and they return from their unfaithfulness. And the enemy said, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy you're getting your act back together with God. I'm so pleased that you have gotten rid of the gods of the land. I'm so happy for you. A great job, proud of you. No, that's not at all what happens. While they're at this place of confession and repentance, in this place of humility, in this place where they're putting away the things of the land, when they come to that place, all of a sudden, what happened to them is what happens to you in that moment. Because how many of you have ever heard the voice of the enemy trying to intimidate you to stop going in that direction? You see, watch what happens. The Bible says, then when they heard that they had gathered at Mizpah, the Philistines came to attack them. It's amazing to me how many times I've thought this through, that moments of internal dedication and external demonstration may actually cause an enemy intimidation where he comes to get you to stop doing what you started doing. How many of you have ever had a major attack after a major victory? How many of you have ever had a moment of declaration that says, this is the way I'm going, this is what I'm going to do, and bang, here come the enemy. Think about it in financial terms. How many of you ever said, I'm just gonna start tithing and everything in your house broke? <laughs> hmm? This enemy infiltration comes. It comes at this moment of confession and repentance and coming back to the Lord. Remember, there's this, there's this, there's this verse somewhere in scripture. I know where it's at, it's Isaiah. Remember this verse? That when the enemy comes in like a flood, what? The Spirit of the Lord will set up a standard against him. You see, watch what happens in this context, in this passage of Scripture. God's looking at a people, a repentant, humble, 
confessing people, returning to him after 20 years of this garbage. And now he sees the enemy coming to attack his people. How many of the mama bears in the place at all? Heck no. No, heck no. Not on my watch. Oh, no, 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 no. How many dads in the house say, no, 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 that's not happening. And the father looks down, oh, you think? When the enemy appears to to intimidate, my God appears to dominate. Let me tell you, do not forget who your God is. Kalang bang, amen. That was all for emphasis. Do not forget who your God is. When he comes to intimidate, the enemy comes to intimidate, my God steps in to dominate. If scripture scripture shows us anything, it shows us a God who dominates the enemy. Read that Bible cover to cover, and you show me a God who's dominated by the enemy. You won't find it. But I will show you the God of heaven who dominates the demons of hell. Read it. Cover to cover. So Samuel, I love this. So here they are in a moment of confession and repentance. And they're in a moment where they're coming back to God. And the enemy comes to destroy them. And I love what it says. And God thundered. God thundered. And God thundered. Do you even expect your God to thunder? Do you even expect your God to thunder? I expect my God to thunder. I expect him to. It's a cool verse. And the Bible says he threw them into confusion. And the Bible says he gave them a great victory. And then Samuel takes a stone and he sets it up and he calls it Ebenezer. How many of you think of Ebenezer Scrooge when you hear that word? (laughs) Okay, y'all know y'all thought at least once today. And Lord, and then Samuel called it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. The stone of help. It's a moment that we can look back to, a defining moment that we can look back to, that God, this far, God has helped me. Thus far, God has helped us. Think about that for just a moment. What is this Ebenezer moment? It's a moment, it's a historical narrative to create a future narrative that I look back and I say, here's what the future's gonna be because of what the history tells me it was. And that Ebenezer moment is a historical narrative that creates a future narrative. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard. It's a cool name if you say it fast. Kierkegaard. Here's what he said. He said, life must be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Life must be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. How many of you know understanding of the past will always set a direction for the future? 
You see, an Ebenezer moment that the generations to follow, the people of Israel, they would look at that stone and they would remember the God who thundered from on high, the God who threw the enemy into confusion, the God who gave them a great victory. You got to have that in your life. And as an Ebenezer moment is a historical narrative that creates a future narrative. It's a moment that we can look back to find courage to go forward. That I can look back and say, this far, my God has helped me. What is your Ebenezer moment? Do you have Ebenezer moments in your life that you can look back and say, my God was there. My God helped me. Do you have any? An Ebenezer moment is for you and your children. It is for you and your grandchildren. It is for you and the next generation. It's a moment that we look back and say, my God did this. My God did that. See, I had a conversation this week. I had some last week, which is why I came and read that thing I read to you last week. And then I had some this week. And I had one this week that, to be honest with you, if you want to discourage me, you got your work cut out. I'm hard to discourage. Maybe I'm just stubborn. I'm hard to discourage. But I spent about 16 hours in discouragement. Because this is what they told me. Not anybody in here. It won't work. It'll never work. It can't work. You need to sell it now. You need to stop now. That's what they said. No, that's what they said to me. Don't you amen that. <laughs> You need to stop now. You can't succeed. It's, it, it won't happen. It's impossible. And on and on and on and on. And I honestly felt there was nothing malicious about this person. But there wasn't nothing malicious about the 10 spies either. Who didn't have faith to go into the promised land. Who spread a bad report that said we can't and we won't. And I had to come to a place, and this message, Ebenezer, has been churning in me for weeks. And then I know it's time to preach it. And, and I says, but God, do I have a word from you? Let me know if you have a word from God. It don't matter what everybody else says. And I think, and I'm not arrogant enough to think that I can not miss the voice of God. I have missed the voice of God before. But I do not think I missed the voice of God on this. I do not think I missed it. I think I heard it. And I don't think it was an accident. And I had to begin to say to myself and others, I had some conversations. And then I had to just say, no, no, no. Let me remember Ebenezer. Let me remember Ebenezer. I got, you see, I asked you, do you have some Ebenezers in your life? I got some Ebenezers in my life. Ebenezer moments that I know it was God and it wasn't Jim. 
I know it was God and it wasn't men, but it was God. And I'm going to show you some of these Ebenezer moments. Can I do that? Good, glad. I told you it would be a long message. I got an Ebenezer moment. I got one, October 1999. Here's a picture. 1999, I become your pastor at this church, and I become the pastor of this church, but you've got to understand something, folks. I didn't have any experience. I never pastored a day in my life. I had six months on staff, all right? I had no pedigree that says make him a pastor. I had no resume that said make him a pastor. I had nothing. All I had was a heart for God and people and seven crazy men who had enough faith to bring it to you. But I'm just saying to you, it was an Ebenezer moment because no man put me into that position was a God moment. You say, well, what does that mean? It means that through 20 years of being here, when times are tough, I know it was God that put me there. When times are challenging, this is what I know. God put me here, nobody else. I'm gonna stand because it was my God who did it. It's an Ebenezer moment. You see, and then there's another Ebenezer moment that came in 2007. Yeah, I was marrying her. Actually, we got married in 1987, four. (laughs) 1984. You say, but what's that picture up there for? Because this is the year I found, we found out she had breast cancer. Sixteen and fifteen years old we've been together. She's got breast cancer. But here I am today, and here she is today, and she ain't got no breast cancer, and she's cancer free. You say, how's it going to end? How's it going to end? What's going to happen? 12 years later, cancer-free. Sometimes I have to look back and I say, ha, where's my Ebenezer? This far has he helped me. You see, and in 2007, we also had that moment where we had the roof offering that we always talk about. That's an Ebenezer moment, which takes us to 2009. And in 2009, we dedicated Hope Community Church. That place was done, 1.3 million. Not a, not a debt on that place. And today, 10 years later, we're gonna celebrate 10 years in November this year. And here we are 10 years later, and it's a triage center in the middle of that neighborhood. People are fed, and people get clothes, and people are ministered to, and people get haircuts, and children are ministered to. And when I drive by it, Sometimes I need to say, Ebenezer, this far, this far has he helped us. You see? And then there's 2013. Yeah, you're saying, well, way to bring that into it. Just got to tell you about my God. There's nothing pleasant about that. It's the year our son died. We buried our son. That's his gravestone. But let me tell you what, it might be a gravestone, it's also an Ebenezer. You know why? Because we're not dead, we're not destroyed. We mourn, but we rejoice daily. We have joy in the midst of sorrow. We have, we have joy in the midst of grief. We're downcast, but we're not destroyed. This far has he helped us. He is my Ebenezer moment. 2015. Ah, remember April 2015, Easter Sunday, first service in here. How was it going to happen? Would it happen? Well, here we are, baby. And one more. I could go on and on. Say, please do. 2018. All aboard, baby. 
the Transformation Express next door. You know the story. I told it to you a few couple months ago. We had the, the money from the sell of the property. We had the money from the wonderful offering that you folks gave at the end of 2017. $147,000. What a day. What a great day. What a victory. And then in June, for a variety of circumstances, June of 18, I find out we're still fifty dollars to $60,000 short. How could it be? There's a lot of things. And I remember going home and praying that God, you know, the easy thing is pastors say, well, we'll just take an offering. And I go home, and I pray. And the Lord says, don't you take an offering. You trust me. Huh? <laughs> don't you take an offering. If you take an offering, you're going to steal their victory. <sighs> it's a lot easier to take an offering, Lord. <laughs> I said, okay. And I came back and told Randy and Dick back in that corner, we're not taking an offering. Dick got three more white hairs. Went for an EKG that week. And we finished it December 2018, and we got a few bucks left over. My God is good. This far has the Lord helped us. I've got other Ebenezer moments I could tell you about. I could tell you about hiking. I told you about it one time. I hiked to the top of the power lines. I'm hiking to the top of the power lines, and I'm asking God for a sign. I'm thinking about a lot of things. I need a sign, God. I need to know you love me, God. Never saw a sign. Never saw a sign. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and I did not see this as I went up. And I don't know where it came from, and I'm not saying an angel did it. All I know is maybe God blinded me to the time I needed to see it. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and somebody had written in rocks, I love you. And this past year, I'm sitting, this past year, I'm sitting on my deck. I told you this story. I'm sitting on my deck, and I'm praying about everything, and I'm thinking about right, and I'm thinking about everything, all the challenges we're facing, and I'm thinking about Nick, and I'm thinking about everything. And I remember saying to the Lord, you know, Lord, the one thing I tell everybody, I say it all the time, is it'll be all right. My favorite mantra. I said, I'd like to hear you say it's all right. I'd like to have a shooting star. I know, what a freak. And I sat there, and I sat there. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Finally, I said, God's all right. I don't need a star. I know it'll be all right. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, you, you pray for a sign, God gives you a sign, and then you're shocked when God gives you a sign. Oh, great man of faith. Look, you can say what you want. This is what I know. My God loves little old me enough to give me what I asked for in that moment of time. Ebenezer, this far has he helped us. You see, you gotta understand something. It's a statement that carries a testimony of the past, but it also carries a prophetic declaration of the future, that the God who helped me this far is the God who will help me that far. The God that brought me this far will take me that far. It's not just the God of the past, it's the God of the present. He said to me this morning, Amy Simple McPherson used to say, he's the, he's the great I am, not the, I, the great I was. He's not the great I was, he is the great I am. 
You, you see, you see here's what I want you to understand this morning. All right, I'm gonna go back for a moment. You, you see, I'm gonna go back to those slides, kiddo, try to follow me. God bless that girl. You see, some of us, I say, do you have an Ebenezer moment? If you don't have an Ebenezer moment, maybe it's because you haven't had a Mizpah moment. What's a Mizpah moment? It's a moment of repentance, a moment of confession, a moment of humility, a moment of coming back to the Lord and making him Lord alone and Lord of all. It's hard to have an Ebenezer moment without a Mizpah moment. Or a uh, it's a moment, a Mizpah moment is a moment of confession and repentance and humility before the Lord. But maybe if you don't have an Ebenezer moment, it might be because you've surrendered to a Philistine moment. Some people would rather surrender to the enemy than have to trust God. That I'm just not gonna fight it, I'm just gonna give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. And Abe cried out and they said, God, Samuel, pray for us. You see, I'll get ready to close in another half hour. So here's what I want you to understand, though. I gotta take care. See, God doesn't just create Ebenezer moments. He is Ebenezer. He doesn't just create them. He is the stone of help. He is the rock of help. You see, if you're just looking for an Ebenezer moment and you're not looking for Ebenezer, you'll probably never get an Ebenezer moment. I'm not looking for an Ebenezer moment. I'm looking for Ebenezer. Remember this? What? The scripture, David says what? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He said, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. I don't need a moment, I have a person who creates the moment. David said, you're my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me. He says, he's only he alone only is my rock and my salvation. Remember what Jesus said? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. How I many know oh, he's the cornerstone this morning? He's the stone this morning. He's the rock this morning. You see, I have memorial stones because he is the stone of help. When I look back on my Ebenezer moments, they cause me to look up to my Ebenezer. When I look back and they say to me, it won't work, it can't work, it's never going to happen. I've gotta look back to my Ebenezer moments that cause me to look to the Ebenezer who gave me the word to begin with. You see, because here's what I found out in my life. Ebenezer moments come from moments with Ebenezer. 
My Ebenezer moments come from moments with Ebenezer. He is the stone of help. Come on, Troy. Three best words of the sermon. What are you facing today? What are you facing today? You got some challenges, circumstances, situations? Maybe some of them you've helped create. Maybe some of them you haven't. Life has a way of throwing things at you, does it not? And you've tried to do it on your own. You've tried to suck it up. You try to be strong. And nothing wrong with all those things. But I've got to tell you something this morning. You'll find encouragement if you've got some Ebenezer moments to look to. You'll find encouragement when you look back to Ebenezer and you remember Ebenezer. And those moments put you back to who the one who is Ebenezer. And then you come to a place where you're able to say, He only is my rock and my salvation, my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. I shall not be greatly moved. Why? Because he's my rock. You know, we're going to sing. You probably figured it out back there. You're going to sing something, right? I got something we're going to sing. I won't go old school, really old school. What's so funny? I have total confidence in you. And if you don't have confidence in you, I want you to know you're going to have an Ebenezer moment right now. Just go old school. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Great old chorus. It's so old, I remember it when I was a kid. I was a heathen, but I liked the song. How I many know heathens can even like good songs? Come on, Troy, sing it. 